the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Presidential hopeful. I'm sure that was something that y'all were trying to keep very private. Then she opened her big mouth and, and no, no, she, no, got, she, she got blabbed it. No, I know what happened. Um, no, she we, she was visiting me in DC and she left at the airport and uh, she got ambushed at the airport. Right. I, I suddenly get this uh, little video from her saying, "I'm not too sweet. I don't have makeup on. I just this and that." But she knew that it was. But she was wonderful and, and yeah. she's just a incredible. Yeah, I think that it's great. I mean, I, it's it's wonderful that y'all are dating, and and I know it's hard because she's going to be watched, and, and you know everything that that she does, everything you do, people are watching you. Yeah, and it's it's, it's as our relationship grows, it's difficult. Could we have is, a White House wedding? Deep, deep I hope not. <laughs> good for them, but no, Ellen's in the White House. Over. Do you know who his girlfriend is? Oh, yeah. She yeah. was in some movies. Yeah, she's in Hollywood. Yeah. So, you know, it's wedding season, Carrie. Eh? Yeah. So, you know, that's, of course, Spartacus. You know, one of the um, 20... Uh, is it, it's up to 24 now, I think, that are running? That's uh, ridiculous. I mean, I can't even keep track, right? I mean, I, right. I, the last one we talked about, I think, on this program was Joe Biden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, we have... Um, how many more do we have? Too many. We, we've got too many. To Michael care. Bennett. We've got Who, Steve Bullock. We've got Bill DeBasio, You know, most recently, and I, I mean, it's almost like, what are the Democrats doing? You know, are are they? You know, is it almost? Uh, they're almost making a mockery. I think. You know, of, of right. the whole situation, or else, I think it shows somewhat of a lack of respect. Because For, right, because if, if, anybody if, goes in with. Can no, anyone? Yeah, yeah. I, it's to me, it's an honor. It's a, it's a big step in someone's career. It shouldn't just be like, oh, I'm just going to throw my hat in and right. see what happens. I mean, can anyone run? I mean, uh, clearly, you know, and 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 it, half of like, them, I, I've never heard of quite right. a few of them. And is it? And 
how much respect are they showing for each other? They're saying, oh, the 22 that are there are no good anyway, so I might as well go in now? Right. Um, you know, I, I just don't get it. I don't know how they're going to do the debates. Unless um, it's because we have social media now. We have times are different. Is it to get your name out there like a fame right. type well, thing? Right. Well, yeah, to, to build up your campaign coffers, you know. Right. You know, you know, but sure, there's, there's a money grab. But, you know, maybe that's why they're doing it. But, you know, and, and you know, why the New York, you know, Bill DeBazio, is he just saying, well, since, you know, Alfred E. Newman, the mayor from Detroit, can run, I can run? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just don't get it. But whatever. But it is wedding season, Carrie. So right? uh, good morning, everyone. This is Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And we um, we have this radio show program every Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. And we've been talking in May about weddings and long-term care and a couple other issues. I'm mm-hmm. actually attending a millennial wedding today, Carrie. Oh, okay. Later uh, my on. niece. Mm-hmm. And... We'll see how that goes. Looking forward to that. You're saying you don't got you don't have any weddings. On I deck don't. This I summer. had all of the weddings I had in the last year were in fall and November. Right. So, so your kids are still a little bit. They better young be very be, young. And their friends. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> okay. Um, and mine are right there. Right. You know, and their friends and nieces and nephews. Right. So. So I'm right in that, and and you know I'm part of that baby boomer generation. We're dealing with. Nursing homes and weddings, right. right? And and it's hard to, you know. But the weddings are the much more enjoyable thing to deal well, with. Obviously, but they're not necessarily uh, cheap or free. I think they're cheaper than a nursing home, though, that, by that far. That is true. Um, <laughs> that is the. So we've been talking, you know, so we've been talking about the cost of a wedding, right? And we said, you know, national average is somewhere between yeah. twenty five to 30000 Here in C-Town, it may be a little bit under that. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to build a, a financial plan at home, this is one of those things that the robot might forget to ask you. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're using a 10-minute robot, you know, financial planner on, right. on and the you're internet, budgeting and projections. It might forget it might forget to ask you specifically how much you want to budget for weddings in the future. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, it may come to mind if you are actually having one of, uh, that year. Or in the next couple, maybe. But if, like your case, Carrie, or if you're saying, hey, they're not, they're really, there's nothing, there's no prospects on the horizon right, right. now. And my, right, and yeah, and my oldest being 20, I'm hoping he's wouldn't even consider it for a number yeah, of years. Yeah, I was years. thinking that for my 23-year-old, too, yeah. Carrie. Um, but, but in either case, you know, the idea is, how do you do that? All right. Um, and one way is you say, okay, well, if there are no prospects on the, you know, horizon, then you probably go with the averages, right? right. So, the, you know, the millennials, they're, they're getting married a little bit later than the baby boomers, right? right? So you may be looking, you know, in those years, maybe 27 to 30, right? Right. So you could pinpoint it out that way. Right. And, and hopefully they have a good job then that they can yeah. kick in some money for their own wedding. Well, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> I think that's a good, uh, right. you know, the good think... point about the cost. Is, right. you know, is that tw- the difference between that 25000 or 20000 and 25000 may be the wedding dress. Do you consider the wedding dress as part of the cost if, if your mom, mom and dad are buying the wedding? Uh, it can be in some cases. Some people. Right. But other lot, people. I'm just saying other pe- a lot of people. And other people don't, right? Right. It just depends. They say that's the bride's, you know. Right. Um, what about the wedding ring? You don't consider that. That's the guy's right. job, yeah. right? Engagement ring. 
and the wedding bands. Um, so, you know, so some are some, but what about the wedding dress? Is that in or not in your cause? Yeah, and, and there's other people that are traditional member. I remember in our family, like the groom's family bought, paid for the rehearsal dinner and the liquor. Yeah, that's, like, that I, was the, yeah, that's a baby. I mean, that's how I, well, we Right, that's how. And then where the bride's family pretty much paid for the bulk sure. of it, yeah. where now it's different. I think things are, Well, you millennials know, some, do things differently. Very much so. Um, but in either case... So best laid plans, right? So, so because we, we realized when a lot of, you know, new clients were coming in and were working out their expenses and whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, a budget, cash flow, you know, right. whatever's, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's fine by us. The idea is you got to kind of track your spending, right? Mm-hmm. And, and project it out. And you make conservative realistic assumptions, you know, for inflation and other things. Right. So the idea is, all right, we, you know, if you think you're going to be in the norms, you know, 20 to 25,000 for a wedding, ages 27 to 30, and let's say you've got more than one uh, child running around. And of course, the oldest always gets married in succession, right? It right. always goes no, that way. Yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, maybe you plan it that way. And then you've got that budget built in, right? It's mm-hmm. a separate schedule. It's a separate right. building block, right? It's gifting, right? I right. mean, you know, it's it's discretionary. Right. And can't um, what, you know, I know the averages, but sometimes it comes back to what what can I afford to spend because I don't want to cut into my own discretionary spending because right. I, maybe I feel like I've helped my kids through college. Maybe I helped pay for some of their expenses to get them on their feet. And if they're older, frankly, I'm in the camp that I'm going to give them X amount of dollars and then it's their job to make up the difference. Right. Yeah. Some people, some people do it that way. Right. Say, here's, uh, th- here's the check. Now you can do whatever you want, kid. Right. You could, you could have a big expensive wedding and go on a nice honeymoon or you can use it for a down payment on the house. I'm right. leaving it up to you. Right. You know, other other times, I think the weddings are more for the parents than the than the bride, and they True. want all their friends there, and right. it's a big social event. You know, and it's for the parents. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you know, it's what I don't know. That's why you don't ask your neighbor what they're doing. Right. Um, you know, it's 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 what you want to do. Now, a lot of times, Carrie, when we're discussing the budget for the wedding, sometimes mom and dad are on the same page. Mm-hmm. That that never happens, right? That mostly happens. Yeah, I would usually, think that's the norm. Right. Usually when we're having this discussion, we ask one of the two to walk, step out of the room while the other one gives us their number. And then we bring the other one in and, and reverse and get that number. Then mm-hmm. we flip over the pieces of paper at the same time and see how close they are. Okay. Um, I remember the one time, Carrie. Um, remember the, the, I remember because I was, I was actually at the kitchen. T- I, mean, I was at the home, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't in the office. They, I was, it was an after uh, work meeting at their house and we were getting the discussion about the budgeting for the upcoming wa- uh, daughter's wedding right mm-hmm. and so the husband was sitting closer to me like come across you know the table right and the wife was kind of sitting in a, in a chair a little bit behind so, so in other words she was behind his field of view right his, okay he couldn't see her in her periphery his periphery right so I'm so he's taking the lead on setting up the budget for the wedding. You know, when we get to that discussion, <laughs> right? And and I said, and he said, Mark, well, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking, gosh, you know, it's going to be expensive. It may, it may be ten to twelve thousand. I'm thinking, okay. So I, I I haven't written the final zero on that, right? And, right. And I and I look up, and she's in the background, right? So she's mouthing to me, fifty. And holding up her hands, you know, representing right. 50000 
Okay. And, and, and I'm saying, and so I, and I go back to the, the husband. And I'm we thinking, better have a talk. I'm thinking, you know, 10 to 12, you know, so what do you think you include in that? Like, are you including, you know, how many, you know how much it costs per guest and how many guests and stuff like, oh, maybe 10 or 12 is a little bit short. And, he, and, and I'm going, yeah, maybe a little bit short. And, and so he's like, well, maybe 15, 20, 50, 20 tops. And she's in the background going, 50, 50. <laughs> you know, and, you know and, and, and what did the wedding cost, Carrie? 50. 50, yeah. Okay. So, so you know, be realistic. And, but the idea is, you know, even when you're building the assumption, you know, we get it. All models are wrong, right? Um, but some are useful. Mm-hmm. So I remember another case where we had a couple who had four children, three girls and a, and a boy, mm-hmm. and none of them were married when we started building right. their, their retirement plan. Right. Um, but they 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 you know, they got our concept and say, well, yeah, we're we're going to budget. We better budget in for future weddings. So they did the thing where, you know, they weren't on the high end. They were probably under the Cleveland average, you know, okay. you know, and this was going back a few years. And they staggered them out, you know, oldest to youngest, around eight, because there were no prospects at that point, right? And that's just assumption, meaning we're going to include it in your plan projections, knowing that those things could change dates. But at least that number or that dollar value is accounted for somewhere in your long-term projections. Right. So we had that built into the plan, okay? Then a few years went by and things were going fine. They retired. You know, they, uh, you know all of a sudden, the first daughter announces she's getting married. All right. Okay. So, you know, champagne and, and uh, you know, balloons. Okay. Then um, shortly after that, the second daughter announced she just became engaged. All right. Okay. And on, and they're both kind of the old plan for the same year. Oh, For ouch. the wedding. And so, you know, the clients are getting, like, mm, okay. And everything was going fine until the third daughter later in the year announced <laughs> she's getting married in the same year. Best laid plans, right? So now they were facing three weddings in one year. Yeah. Now, do you think they jumped off the bridge? No. No, because in in, in reality, when they, you know, now we can start using real, you know, know, reality is starting replacing assumption that we had built into the plan. See, the, the benefit of having a detailed financial plan is that when reality changes your assumption, you know how to go in and manipulate your plan. Right. All right. So it, so we had to do that. Now it, it it turned out fine in the end because the one daughter, you know, was you know wanted the wedding that was going to cost what they budgeted. The second one was going to be a little bit under that, and the third one basically was an elopement carry. I mean, right. that was just you know that was really wasn't going to be a big deal at all. Um, you know, that was the, each of their bright that those daughters' right. choices. By the way, you know, the parents didn't care. Right. Um, they would have done it anyways. You know, whatever they wanted to do, but that was the daughters' choices. So in the end, although we had to shift around the cash flow, in the end, it was still coming in below what we had projected in the long-term plan anyways, because we had projected the weddings happening in the future at a rate of inflation. See, the other thing, don't forget, if if the robot might forget to ask you, if you think the cost of the wedding in Cleveland today is $21,000 or whatever that number was we announced, and what's it going to cost five years from now, you better add some inflation to it. Right. And what rate do you want inflation? That's a customization. So that's kind of, you know, how we, you know, know, a good example of saying, yeah, you know, if you're going to be realistic, are you going to budget in future weddings? If you don't have any prospects, do you make some conservative, realistic assumptions? And then as reality 
replaces your assumption, you update the plan accordingly. You know, Mark, and whether it's a wedding or home improvements, cars, hobbies, whatever, that's a good example of the different things that we put into our long-term realistic conservative projections at the estate planning team. And the estate planning team is a company that sponsors financial food for thought. And the estate planning team is a traditional financial planning firm, an Ohio-registered fee-based planning firm. We're not investment advisors, and we help people whether they're working or already in their retirement with issues they face. And the estate planning team offers a free consultation. We've been around for more than 34 years helping people solve problems, save money. The free consultation gives you an opportunity to see how our process is different, how we work, the different issues we can help with. We're accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau and Super Service Award winners multiple years from Angie's List. And we help people determine, um, you know, when they can realistically retire and what that translates to the type of realistic retirement lifestyle. Can you maintain or a lot of times people want to enhance their lifestyle because now you finally have freedom of time. Um, We help people avoid costly mistakes, create the income they need as tax efficiently as possible. So if you want to come in um, for that free consultation, you can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit the website at financialfoodforthought.com. On the website, I have our last classes I'm trying to get posted. We have June 11th. For sure, at 3 o'clock in Middleburg Heights is our class. If you have IRAs, company plans, or similar assets, we're going to talk about all the rules, costly mistakes, and why so many people who own these assets – end up costing themselves more taxes than necessary. We're going to talk about the difference. There's still a lot of confusion between Roth contributions and Roth conversion You get rules. the question all the time. I thought I had to I be working with, to put money into a Roth. Or I met with someone last week saying, well, I can't do um, my, or they wanted to do a conversion while working, but they had, you know, over 100000 in cash reserve because they were having some home improvements and right. actually had a daughter wedding. They were thinking, you know, there were some things they wanted to plan, but they had the available cash to do a con- – they said, I thought if I do a conversion, it's going to cost me more in taxes. They were thinking in their head because um, the husband was still working – the wife was going to, because she's been retired, but that she was going to convert her IRA. They were already in a high tax bracket. Mm-hmm. They should just do, and they were only going to do six, that five, six thousand anyway. So they should have been doing a contribution. Right. A lot of people don't, yeah, you know, and, and even though if you're over, even if you're working over 70 and a half, if you're still working, have earned income, you can still make the Roth IRA contributions, whereas you can't make tax, traditional mm-hmm. tax deductible IRA contributions. Because of the required minimum distribution rule. Uh, and then, of course, Gary, though, there's upper limits, right. too. If you make too much money, then you can't right. contribute. You know, and make those are the rules we're going to talk about the class. Also, I know some people ask, you know, um, about rolling over their company plan into the IRA. So there are different rules, techniques. Right. Um, some people choose to leave their company plan in place, too. Um, but it's June 11th, 3 o'clock in Middleburg Heights, free to attend. That one is on the website. I'm working on one more in June. And then that'll be our last classes until fall. So make sure you register right. or give us a call for a free consultation at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell. We're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 34 years. 
And over those 34 years, we certainly have helped a lot of families work through wedding budgets, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. And, but also pension elections. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, you know, the, the, you mentioned the, the company plans, the 401k. A lot of the 401ks today, Carrie, have either the traditional tax-deductible 401k contribution you can make, or a lot of them now have the Roth you know, option in the 401k. And if you don't know, call your HR department and ask. Sometimes right. people don't realize, or I just ignored that right. piece of information. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, in, you know, I say, well, which do I do? Do I do the traditional and get the tax deduction now, or should I do the Roth and forgo the tax deduction now for tax-free treatment later? And, uh, you know, it, it may be unique to, depending on your personal belief on where income tax rates are going to go in this country or where your wage base may be going before, you, you know, you retire. But the other thing, too, is sometimes say, well, just pick one or the other. Some I hear sometimes professionals say that. And I say, well, what's the matter of picking a little bit of both? Right. And, and, I, and I think in planning, it's usually not an all or nothing approach. It's not I should convert all my Roth. It's usually how much over what time period. It's usually a combination of strategies. Yeah. I'm not so much in the camp that says, well, if you took a little bit of both, you're, you have a 50% chance of being wrong. And it's like. Well, that's not how I look at it. I look at it, it's a 50% chance of hedge against a future event that you found your control. Right. Maybe you want to contribute enough to your for, traditional 401k to get you under a certain tax threshold threshold, and the balance into the Roth that can grow income ta- or tax-free. Right. Yeah. So so I don't necessarily think you have to choose all or the other. I'm, I'm okay with a hedge bet, so to speak. Um all right, so let's see what else. We've also, you know, been talking about, you know, mixed signals in the economy, Carrie, right? And, mm-hmm. of course, I don't even have to mention the China trade war. You know, we saw the roller coaster stock market this last week. Mm-hmm. But even barring that, you know, so what are the other some things? Well, here's here's a mixed signal I picked up on this week, Carrie. Um, America's 10 largest cities, largely Democratic strongholds, are drowning in municipal debt. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a government watchdog company called Truth and Accounting, and this is a report. And they're just saying it's staggering. You know, if they look at Chicago, you know, they 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 calculate how much each resident <laughs> of the city is 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 gonna would have to pay for the obligations of the city. Okay. Chicago is off the chart. One hundred nineteen thousand. <laughs> every 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 resident in Chicago is that's what the, you know they're looking to help bail out Chicago's. Oh, you know. um, New York City about eighty five thousand. L A. All d- Democratic strongholds. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. L A. fifty six thousand. Dallas. Oh, there's one from you know about thirty three thousand. A lot less than one hundred nineteen. You know, in Chicago, yeah. um, but not good. So what either. they're doing isn't working. And and a lot of they say that uh, what that a lot of that liability is for the underfunded retirement obligations, i.e., pensions that have been promised to all the public mm-hmm. workers in these right. cities. You know, the, you know, and you know, and really, is the taxpayer is on the hook for that. You know, if the cities yeah. don't, you know, I mean, or what, or the or the they're going to default on the pensions, which I can't imagine them doing. Politicians okay. allowing that to happen. Um, and you know, and we always say, you know, no one was immune to the lost decade. Mm-hmm. You know, not certainly not the pension plans. Right. OK. Um, and, you know, and, and that's a that's a big, you know, concern if you've got you know, if, if you are lucky enough to have a pension, but you may be retiring and you have a pension election to make mm-hmm. and you're deciding, do I take the lifetime annuity? Right. With the risk that maybe they'll run out of money 
or you take a lump sum if they're With offering the you a lump sum. risk of potentially losing it in the market. So, I'm just saying there's right. risk on either So we'll end. talk a little about right. that today, right? Um, but okay, so, so there's one story. Here's the mixed signal, okay? Here's a second story this week. Some states pleasantly surprised by the tax windfall. Okay, so remember those same Democratic strongholds, Carrie, right? Remember, they were the biggest complainers of the salt cap, right? The right. 10,000. Because remember, they, they, they warned or they, they screamed bloody murder that all the rich people is going to move out of the states. They're going to migrate to a state that, you know. Which it, California, New York have seen people leave. Okay. And they said it was going to be the end of this, uh, you know, and right. it, was, it was terrible. And remember, New York was going to try to circumvent the, you know, the, the law. You know, by mm-hmm. passing some state law that would get around through a charitable technique, and that yeah, completely was, flopped, right? I mean, they can't do that. That didn't go anywhere. Um, you know, so um, now here, so all 15 states that have reported April tax collections, you know, after yeah. the April 15th deadline, so far, all 15 of them that have reported, Carrie, mm-hmm. have come in better than expected. Okay. All right. California, Illinois, Chicago, you know, Illinois, Connecticut, they're among the winners. Okay, New York hasn't reported April yet, right? But they when they when New York, when New York State reported March, they were ahead of plan. Okay, so all the, you know, so what's going on? Were all was they just crying wolf? Did they, you know? In other words, they all thought that the salt cap was going to be the end. Actually, what happened is the tax law is giving them billions of dollars in more revenues than what they ever projected. Right. They're like they're opening the bottle of champagne now. Okay. Um, California collected three billion more than what the governor Newsom's forecast. Okay, um, they're, they're attributing the stock market gains. Well, you know, this is the crazy thing, right. Carrie. A lot of people are saying, well, Mark, what are you talking about? You know, stock market gains. I had a loss in my in my stocks in 2018. The, right. the, the major indices were all negative for 2018. Yeah, but did your professional investment advisors, were they locking in capital gains? Were they, were they you know, before the loss, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so we have a lot of taxpayers who, even though on paper they had a they had a loss from, you know, January 1st to December 31st, they actually incurred a lot of capital gains. Capital gains means tax revenues for this, for right. everyone, right? Um, for the states and the government. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's and a lot of people don't understand that that can happen. That can happen all the time. It, ha- it does. OK. Yes. You can have capital gains when you have a market loss. Get that. through. You know, that's part right. of the risk. All right. Um, so, you know, that, that still surprises people. I know that's painful. Right. I know that's very painful when you see you have a loss for the year and you have a large capital gains. Because on top of the loss of assets, you have the. Extra added insult of especially, paying more in taxes. Especially if those capital gains took you over your Medicare threshold. Which means your Medicare B premiums are going to be increased. All right. Um, now, um, so the Illinois governor, you know, who, you know, he was actually, remember we were saying they have a huge underfunded pension, right? Right. In Chicago alone. For a long time. But, but Illinois, you know, saying, you know, that they had a $1.5 billion excess over plan. So now the governor has backed off. He had already planned next year that they were going to have a pension holiday. You know, where they were going to maybe withhold some pension checks. Oh, I don't think that would okay. go over well. Um, but he's saying that this, you know, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act's windfall will prevent that. Well, that's a good thing. All right. So, you know, that's some of Well, the you talked about, like, uh, confusion. I did see some statistics um, that came out. It was a Charles Schwab survey that talked about people and what it, they were asking different generations on what they thought about what it was to be wealthy. And I thought this was interesting that in Generation X, Z, and millennials that 60% are going are believe that they're going to be rich one day. 
Hmm. But 59% of those same people polled are living paycheck to paycheck. So there's a disconnect. Yeah. What's a baby boomer percentage thing a bit rich? About 10? You know what? Uh, they didn't talk about that. I'm going to say it's under 10%. Say, but it was interesting. Like Generation D and millennials think being wealthy is $1.49 million is being wealthy. If you really? Get a, where Generation X and baby boomers were 2.5 to 2.6 million. That's right. what they considered rich or well, wealthy. Yeah, the funny thing is, Carrie, we're all in the middle class, right? Right. When, when in reality, no one's in the middle class anymore. Um, so, you know, there's a big, you know, disconnect. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, you don't ask your neighbor, you know, what they're planning on spending in retirement to be okay or what, you know, you have to kind of sharpen your own elbows and, you know, do your own plan. Well, with the price tags and time frames, because we see across the board, people have different ideas on how they want to spend money. I mean, freedom of time for some people. Now they have the time to spend, take on new hobbies, travel, buy things they haven't, ta- you know, treat themselves through spa or whatever, or cleaning or people to pay to do yard work. Sometimes it ends up being out of necessity versus somebody who is okay with just having the freedom of time. And now they want to do a lot of things themselves. So, and their hobbies are inexpensive. So it's really across the board. Right. And a lot of baby boomers, you know, are looking for that hobby encore career. Right. Mm -hmm. um, And we, you know, we, 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 if you want to go back to our podcast. Okay. I was going to, yeah. Yeah. So in February we were doing the encore career. Mm -hmm. So every month on this show, we, we highlight a certain financial topic. Right. So um, this month we're doing, you know, weddings and nursing homes. Um, but the, the, so, and I think it was February we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carrie, how do they get the podcast? You can go to whkradio.com and click on local podcast. You'll see financial food for thought. Um, and you can listen to previous podcasts on the different topics that we do. All right. Now, before I get to talking about, about everyone's favorite subject matter, long-term care, uh, you know, we, let's talk a little about pensions, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously, you know, and specifically, Carrie, the, 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 the individual who has a pension election to make, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you could also, sometimes we talk about your Social Security elections, which we won't highlight today, but it's kind of along the same line. It's the idea of, you know, how do you make that decision? And, you know, and, and one of the things is that what we don't recommend is that, you know, what we, you know, we, we've been helping people with pension plan analysis for 34 years, right? Mm-hmm. And it was funny because a lot of times if a new client comes in and, they, you know, see, when we first started, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the average age of someone coming in the estate planning team was a lot higher than today. Right. It was the it was the ba- it was the baby boomers parents we were mm-hmm. working with. And it was mostly about exposure to estate tax. Right. right. When the exemption was six hundred thousand. Right. So they had already a lot of them had already obviously their pension elections were done 15 years before coming in to see us. Right. Mm-hmm. And they in their Social Security elections and all that stuff. So it wasn't on their you know agenda. And then when the baby boomers started coming in, we realized a lot of them were coming in and they had they had already retired and they already made their pension. So it, we were looking at it and we would ask, well, but just out of curiosity, what was your um, way that you decided to take this particular pension election? Mm-hmm. What was your method? You know, how did you come up with that, that that was the best thing to do? Because we're kind of, we were kind of seeing what they did and we were kind of like scratching our heads, right? right? And so mm-hmm. did anyone like, did, you know, did what kind of financial analysis help you made this decision? And, you know, it was funny because, you know what, like, the number one reason, or not the number one reason, the number one uh, sol- solution, how they got that solution, Is how... what the guy did retired before him? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it was like, they said, well, we asked Joe, who retired a month before me, what and he I, did. And I picked his. 
And I figured he had, he must have done his homework. So whatever Joe did, I guess that was what I should do. Mm-hmm. That was the number one reason. Mm-hmm. And like we said, that's maybe not the best reason. You know, we always talk about the estate planning team. This is not your parents' plan. <laughs> it's not your neighbor's plan. It's not your coworker's plan. Right. I don't care what they're doing. All right. Um, they may have different goals and objectives than you. They may have a different pension election than you have. They might have different assets in the background right. to cover income so expenses. The first decision a lot of people have to make is do I take the lump sum right. or do I take the lifetime annuity? Right. The, what the traditional, what we think of a pension annuity, mm-hmm. where you retire and, and you get a paycheck every month. Yeah, right. And and based on your lifetime, your single life, or maybe your joint 100% survivorship, or maybe you some uh, have six or seven options. Right. 75% survivorship for your spouse, 50, 25. Some have 10 year term certain. Right. Some have a life annuity with a 10 year term certain. I could go on and on and on. How many options are is your company giving you? The more they're giving you, you know, we always say you work for a company for 30 years. Don't make your pension election in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You may be shortcutting it. All right. Um, now. All right. So a lot of people say, well, I kind of like, you know, you know what? I, why I'm thinking the lump sum is because I'm hearing all these horror stories about the you know solvency of the pension plans. Right. Right. Here's just some recent headlines. OK. Um, all right. Well, you know, we could talk about Ohio. You know, remember the cost of living increases have stopped, right? You know, here's an, here's one out of Money Magazine. States are running out of money to pay their public employee pensions. Um, U.S. pension fund collapse isn't a distant prospect. It could happen in, come in five years. Uh, America's utterly predictable tsunami of pension problems. America has a $2 trillion pension problem. Pension funds still making promises they probably can't keep. 1.6 million bill tests tiny town and bulk of public pensions. A sour surprise for public pensions, you know, to, you know, bad math and coming public pension crisis. I could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now, and a lot of those articles are mostly about public pensions, Carrie, because why don't why aren't those articles about private pensions? Because they're gone. Right. You know, very few private pensions anymore. Right. Um, but I'm not saying they don't exist. Right. I think you're even going to talk about one, you know. Yeah, you, if you're you know. lucky. But um, so, so, you know, th- so that's the one thing, you know, that. You know, you have to look and say, all right, well, should I just then take the lump sum, the lump sum because those crooks are going to run away with my money anyways? Um, but then if you take the lump sum. Well, here's the thing, though, Carrie. Some pensioners thought, hey, I thought, Mark, that they couldn't take my pension away once. I thought ERISA protected that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that was true up until about year 2014. Okay, that's when the government, you know, came with the Multi-Employer Pension Fund Reform Act. Okay. And they and basically, President Obama signed it, you know, it was done in the, you know, the midnight hour and in the middle of the night. Without anybody reading it? And, and basically, <laughs> it kind of said that because it was, you know, it, it, you know, it was such dire considerations, it's like when the companies say, well, here's the choice. If I continue to pay what I'm supposed to pay, the retirees, the the coffers will be gone in five years. Okay. Or if I slash the pensions by 50%, mm-hmm. the money will last for 15 years. Hmm. What do you do? And, you know, so what that, what that act did, what, what allowed companies, especially the multi-employer plans, the big ones, you know, to go to the federal government and 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 present their case, 
And if they presented a case, you know, that's that the government said, OK, we agree it's a better option to slash pensions than to go default, then we'll allow it. So, you know, it's kind of, now how do you know if your pension is solvent or not? Right. Well, there's um, we talk about pension shortfalls, right, and the funded ratio. So the government has some warning labels out there. Okay? And you can pick this up either, you know, when the pension has to report these numbers every year, right? Maybe it's in the 10K, the company's 10K, maybe it's in the 55, you know, whatever. You can get the information, you know, ask your, you know, human resource department if you don't know how to get it, right? So, uh, you know, critical, you know, if, if it's critical, that's when the pension plan is less than 65% funded. Ooh. Okay. And that means there's a shortfall coming in the next five years and probably insolvency in the next five to seven years. Ooh. Okay, that's critical. The next one they call a severely endangered. And that's when it's a little bit, um, you know, about, again, about, you know, you know, you know, more, you know, more than 65 percent funded, but not too much more. Right. So the first one is less than 65 percent funded. The next one is a little bit more than 65 percent funded. And then there's the endangered. And that's when it's less than 80 percent funded. Okay. And then if and a lot of people say that's the 80 percent rule, meaning that if your pension plan is 80 percent or more funded, you should be OK. 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 Um, but, you know, that, you know, and, and but a lot of times where that underfunding happened was in the lost decade, because what the what the uh, the, uh, the accounting group said is that, you know, the problem was that these pension actuaries were still using high, uh, you know, inflated rates of return that they were projecting. They were using projecting, you know, seven, eight percent rate of return in the last decade. They weren't getting that. Right. Okay. so when the government said, no, you can't use those inflated numbers or non-realistic. Remember, I talked about making assumptions. You better make them conservative and realistic. Well, using seven or eight percent pension returns in in, in the last decade wasn't conservative or realistic. Right. So the government said, stop it. Which made, I'm sure, a lot of people fall into these categories. Uh, yeah, and and, and when, so when they reran the numbers using a more conservative number, all of a sudden there was about five trillion underfunded. Mm. Okay, um, across the U.S. Right. Um, but then you know, people say, Mark, if that's the case, if I'm in those, then I'm just going to take the lump sum and take my chances elsewhere. Right, but you know, and, and but you know, if you're saying though, but you know, you could also lose it in yourself this time, or but. Like take the local Cleveland, you know, the local Cleveland iron workers, you know, I think it's a uh, local 17 carry. Right. And when they were doing they were one of the first ones that won this case, the government. Right. That, that okay. you know, that they could use it because at the time they were, go, you know, going it, they had 90, 90 million in assets. Right. And their liabilities was two hundred twenty three million. That's about 40 percent funded. So, carry if, if critical is 65 percent, what do you call 40 percent grave? Maybe um, zombie land. Okay, um, it, they're not going to make it, right? You know, kind of go over there. Now, a lot of people say, "Well, Mark, that's why that's what I thought the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation was all about. Aren't they? Aren't they backing my pension?" Hmm. Well, that's a subject I can't even get involved that today. Mm-hmm. But you know, kind of go from there. So, in either case, so Carrie, let's talk about the the pluses and minuses. So, we, we we've got this issue. Do I take the lump sum or do I take the pension payout? So, some of the advantages of the lump sum. Number one is that you've got the money in your hand. Right. So you don't have to worry about the solvency of the pension plan. Two, um, it's full survivorship, right? Because if, right. if you get the lump sum, you know, even if, let's say you're single and you don't have a spouse, at least it'll go on to your right. children. Let's say you are married, but if both of you die in the plane crash early, at least the balance of the lump sum goes on to your kids, right? Right. 
So that's even better than the 100% survivorship annuity. Right. Okay. So some people like that aspect of it. Some people like the idea that if they take the lump sum, they don't have to start taking it out right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. They can defer it. In other words, it's not they're not locking anything. They're rolling it to an IRA, right? So you don't want to trigger the tax event by taking the lump and sum. And you can control how distributions are hitting your tax return, right. watching your threshold, what right. other things are... Because some years you may want to take out more than what the pension would have paid you. Right. Other years you might not need that much. Right. You have more control, right? Um, the other thing, too, is that some people still like the like the possibility that if they take the lump sum and roll it to their IRA, it still opens the door for Roth conversions later on. Right. Okay. Because if you take the pension annuity and they're paying you every year, there's no way you can get that money into a Roth IRA. Right. Okay. If you take the lump sum, roll it to an IRA, you still have that door open to you. All right. So, you know, but what are some of the minuses of the lump sum? Well, obviously, now all the risk is on your plate. Right. Okay. So if, you know, you know, go back to that lost decade, you know, no one was immune to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many people did we deal with, you know, were, were in sh- their plan was in shambles. You know, you had two, nearly two 50% S&P drops in a 10 year period. Right. You think that could hurt your lump sum? Mm-hmm. A bit, you know, depending on how much risk you were taking. Well, then some people your... say, well, I'll just put it in a fixed annuity or fixed equity index. Well, the strength of the company, too. Do you want well, to now you, right, right. So now you got to compare that to what the, your, 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 the pension annuity you're giving up. Right. Okay. So, so, so how do you bring this home? Um, you know, it's that idea of saying, well, you've got to do some analysis. At least that's what we do for our clients. Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, well, what is the lump sum that you're going to get versus what would be the hundred percent survivorship annuity that you're giving up? And you can do a comparison. Right. And what the idea is, what you want to say is, well, what would I have to be earning on my own to match the guaranteed pension that I'm giving up? Right. You know, what would I have to be earning? Okay, Um, and that's maybe a place to start. It's a good example of getting a long range projection before you make a short term decision based on what Joe, the guy who retired a month before you did. Right. And and Mark, that same analysis done if people are offered buyouts on their pension, too. Right. We didn't. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. But I'm just saying when people are thinking about that, they've already and ever been offered a buyout, which we've run through different scenarios. It's the same type of analysis. Right. So what you're talking about is someone who's already getting the the pension pension annuity. Maybe they've been retired for years and all of a sudden they get a little letter from their company saying, hey, we will, you know, we'll give you a a lump sum buyout right now. Why are they doing that? They don't want to. They don't want the liability anymore. Right. They'd rather buy you out. Now and in some cases, when we ran it, some people the growth rate on the lump sum was four percent. Other people right. on the lump sum they had to earn eight percent to get the same amount that they were getting. Right. So what do you, so you were working on a case, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and while you get that, you know, you got some numbers there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what we love to do here on the radio show is go over spreadsheets, right? It works. Yeah. It works so well on the radio. Um, but but if you can follow along, it's just the idea of let's try to set up that analysis. You know, in other words, so everybody, you know, ha- in other words, your neighbor also may have a pension election to make, but the numbers m- might not be the same. Right. Okay. That's why you just can't follow what he did. Right. Because um, you have to kind of run your own numbers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in typical, and we'll keep it for the radio, a simple case scenario where you have a, a, a couple, right, that mm-hmm. there's a married couple and that. The the one who's going to get, you know, that has the pension election to make is concerned about 
you know, the longevity of his spouse. So, you know, the, the only really fair apples and apples comparison to the lump sum is the 100% survivorship. Right. right? You, in other words, you wouldn't compare the lump sum to a single life annuity. No. That would, be an un, that would not be an apple and apples. Now, we already mentioned that the lump sum is actually has more survivorship protection than mm-hmm. 100%, you know, survivorship annuity. But at least it's the most apples right. and apples. So typically, and, and, and this is what we started, you know, asking new clients coming in and saying, well, how, you know, how did you make your decision or whatever? And a lot of times when they said they made the lump sum, it was a recommendation from their investment advisor. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know why the investment advisors would, would all, all <laughs> you know, make it immediately a, a, a recommendation that you take the lump sum. Mm. Okay. And, and use it and roll it, you know, to them IRA so they can invest it for you, but I'll let you decide that on your own. Mm-hmm. But the, the point is if they made that recommendation without any of and any analysis, I'm not so sure you're ready to take that. Right. Okay. So typically, you know, we try to set up and say, well, let's just for fun, figure out what the return would have to be if you took the lump sum that was going to replace the pension that you're giving up. Right. And and this couple, um, he's actually going to retire at the end of the year. Um, and he had an option of a lump sum or the joint survivorship. And the first level we did, he said, use a growth rate. I We asked what well, he said, 5% ongoing. So with their joint life expectancy based on 26 years, if they take the lump sum, the lump sum at 5%, he can take the same out as the 100% survivorship. It lasts 31 years. So beyond the life expectancy to age 94 and 93. But then we came back and said, what if that same scenario, let's look at 4% earnings. A little bit more conservative. A little conservative. So that lump sum ran out. There, uh, instead of their joint life expectancy was 26 years, it's running out in 25 years. So mm. in, at 4%, the and- 100% survivorship will last as long as both of them are still living. So here you come up with the risk because, you know, that may be what the actuary is saying. See, the problem with the, what, the difference between the actuary, they're working with the large numbers. In other words, right. so half their pensioners will die at life expectancy. Some will live longer, some will live less. But on big numbers, they can go with the averages. You can if you're worried about longevity. Because right. if you're the unlucky one that lives beyond 90, then the, the 100% survivorship is going to look a lot of cases a lot better than a lump sum. So then we did a 5% and a 4%. Well, then he said, well, what if the worst time, listens to our show, said the worst time for a market downturn is the year I retire. So right. retire at the, the end plan, of the year. Yeah, the we're going to assume. The sequence of returns. What if you take the lump we're gonna sum? We're going to saw there's a, there's a recession or yeah, some in economic 20, downturn, downturn in, in, in 2020. So then we're going to assume, though, 5%. So we assume, though, he gets um, 2020, there's a 10% loss because he wanted to base it on the 5%. Okay, so this, right. So, Carrie, this is a good example of how you build in a plan R when we say, okay, just for fun, you have your plan A, assuming there's never going to be an economic downturn for, for mm-hmm. in your retirement. Or you could build a plan R and said, I know I'm going to be the unlucky one, Mark. In my first year of retirement, there's going to be an economic downturn, mm-hmm. totally beyond my control. So let's model that in. Let's right. tell the robot, let's run these analysis again, but this time let's model in an economic downturn. So right. What, so what we're going to do a 10% loss in 2020, no gains in 2021. Now we're kind of in recovery. A 2.5 gain in 2022. Kind of coming out of the tunnel. Then back to 5%. Ongoing. So as we modeled what happened? In. And then we're going back to what's the lump sum versus the joint 100%. It's going 21 years, right? Because which the, is five years short of their life expectancy. Now we got a problem. 
Right. So at 5%, they were going, if he took the lump sum, he was going five five years longer than their joint life expectancy. At 4%, they were a year short of their life expectancy. With the economic downturn, even assuming 5%, he was five years short of their joint life expectancy. So those are the things that we keep looking at as different scenarios and some, as just as a starting place so that you right. can see the objective analysis saying, hmm, what other scenarios do I want to see so that you're comfortable with the decision that you're making the right decision? Right. And, and then, and, I mean, we go much further than looking at the 75, the 50 based on whether then we do that income replacement needs analysis. But this is just to compare apples, as Mark explained earlier, to apples right. to apples. And then and we'll, and we'll talk more about this, you know, in in, in upcoming. But the, the, the other thing is, if you've already decided or maybe you don't have a lump sum option. Right. And now you're saying, I, you know, I only you know, I'm just trying to choose between the annuity options that they're giving me, you know, either single life annuity or 100% survivorship or 75, you know, you know, how do you decide that? Right. And, you know, that sometimes we talk about the pension maximizer and the idea saying, well, you know, a lot of times you'll hear a professional say that. And and that's a concept of saying that, you know, you, you, let's say you are married and you, the safest option is hundred percent survivorship, Right. But the idea is you're you're not going to go with the 100% survivorship. You're going to go with the single life annuity. And you're saying, well, that's a lot more money if I get a single life annuity. Some cases, it, it could be a 1000 more a month. But some people, some cases, it depends. It's right. a lot. Other times, it's not much. Sometimes there's not as much different as you think between the zero and 100. It's not right. really. You've got to look at the spreads. That's why you don't ask your neighbor. Right. You know, but the idea is that, you know, you might want to look at that just to see what your spread is. How much more would the company pay you if you want the single life annuity versus the 100 percent survivorship annuity? Now, it, let's say just I'm throwing out, you know, let's say that's a thousand dollars a month. That would be a high one. You right. Know? But that's a, a, a gross example. But 12, that's twelve thousand dollars a year. If you live a long time, that's a lot of money that you mm-hmm. get by going with the single life annuity. But you say, Mark, I know I'm going to take the single life annuity. I'm going to crash in a plane and my spouse is going to be d- desolate. No, what the idea is that you take the more money and then you buy a life insurance policy. This is presented a lot by the life right. insurance people, right? That you take some of the spread, the additional amount you're getting with the single life annuity, and you buy a life insurance policy to protect your spouse. Mm-hmm. Now, if you could, if, if the spread is there and you could get enough life insurance to protect your spouse, we have to do an analysis right. to determine how much that is, by the way. All right, how many years you're going to live and what's the loss of pension and stuff like right. that. But if you could, if if you could get, if you could, if the spreads are there and you're insurable at a good rate, why wouldn't you take the single life annuity, use some of the additional money to some. buy a life? Yeah, not all of it. Right, so, because that's sometimes the care with the life insurance guys. All, <laughs> the life insurance guys say, "Oh, put it all into the life insurance." Well, then all. What's yeah? Yeah, that's not. You don't want to do that. But the idea is, you know, can you use? I, we usually try to start with like fifty percent, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And say, okay, can we, you know, if we, if we use fifty percent of the spread, can we buy enough life insurance, you know, to um, to do that? And okay. a lot of times you can, a lot of times you can't. But at least, you know, um, running the analysis gives you an idea before you have to make a decision or before mm-hmm. you make the decision. And a lot of times that means, you know, you better, uh, you know, better look at the medical underwriting. Right, and if uh, you're lucky <laughs> enough to be. Enough to get a partial lump sum option, the plops, 
that's another level of analysis. But those are the things, examples, Mark, of, or, and our listeners, of the things that we do at the estate planning team. Call and take advantage of our free, no obligation, no pressure consultation to see if and how our process is appropriate for you. Um, like our plans, our fees are customized. We have hourly and retainer options. And we do consultations by phone or in person. Our home office is in Middleburg Heights. We do have locations around the greater Cleveland area. And it's not too early to sign up for our June 11th IRA and Roth planning class at 3 o'clock in Middleburg Heights. Last time we're doing this class until fall, you can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Maybe I'll come back next week with some numbers on how you do that pension maximizer. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing better than spreadsheets on the radio, but it, 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 it works great if you've got the spread. Trust me. Anyways, so what about the, you know, the wedding ring, Carrie? Oh, okay. How much should you be spending on a, your wedding ring? I don't know. I think, what do they tell you? Two and a half times salary? The two-month salary rule, you know, that was, that was proposed crap. by the diamond companies a long time ago. You know, right? I think it just depends on what you can afford and circumstances. Right. Well, you know, it, it, more realistically today, it's more like a one-month salary or the idea of about maybe slightly side of 10% of your salary a year. That's more of, I think, a common rule than right. the two months. I think you should just get what you like and what you can afford because um, maybe you, right. you know. Now, um, so the average cost today of a one carat diamond ring, probably about fifty five hundred. Wedding band maybe a thousand. Um, okay, so you know, here's another. Men spend an average about sixty three hundred, up twenty five percent in the last six years. Okay, that was from the Knots study. Um, all right. Um, but guys, you know, don't attach strings to the wedding ring. Okay. All right. Um, oh, you think? Um, so here's um, here's a question put in. Before I give my fiance a very expensive diamond engagement ring, I want her to promise to bequeath it to my daughter. Is that a good thing to do? Uh, this is a guy who was on his third marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it, um, maybe he should. <laughs> um, and he wanted it. And what do you think the, the expert's advice was? I don't know. If you're giving it to them, it's their choice on what to do with it after, I'm guessing. Yeah. Bottom line, don't give her a ring with strings attached. <laughs> okay. Um, nothing or says I love you like P.S. when you die. Or, or I'd I've like heard the ring of back. stories where people want rings, you know, only if it's a certain size, they'll say yes. Have a good weekend. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.